What's up, everyone? You're listening to another episode of the Alaskan Grappler podcast. I am your host, Dennis Ackman. For this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jimmy Egemeyer. Jimmy was a three-time finalist and two-time state champion from Kodiak. He was a multiple-time All-American and was a national runner-up as well as a national champion for Southern Oregon University. During this interview, we talk about when he started wrestling as well as his biggest influences. We talk about what motivated him when he got into high school. We talk about his time in high school as well as his journey after and him ended up becoming a national champion. We talk about his favorite and least favorite ages to coach, what he thinks it takes to be successful, the hardest thing about wrestling, his toughest opponents, favorite moments, and so much more. Before I kick on that audio though, I'd like to tell a crazy story. I met Jimmy through the sport of wrestling, but I also met someone named Jimmy Eggers a long time ago also through the sport of wrestling. He ended up becoming my little brother's best friend. Uh, My buddy Joe Hughes, who I also know through wrestling, often accidentally referred to Jimmy Eggers as Jimmy Eggemeyer. I just think it's crazy that I know someone named Jimmy Eggers and Jimmy Eggemeyer, both who I met through the sport of wrestling. Jimmy Eggers is currently living down in Texas, so a big shout out to him. That being said, though, here is that interview with Jimmy Eggemeyer. All right, so let's just start off with the questions I ask everybody, because everybody has a different story. When did you start wrestling? I think I started when I was five years old. In Kodiak, everyone does every sport, so parents throw you into basketball, football, wrestling, and wrestling was just one of the sports I did. I wasn't really involved in it for a while. Football and basketball was what I kind of liked to do. Wrestling was just kind of something I had to do at the time. So I guess you kind of answered my second question, but maybe just to get a little more into it. So then why did you start or who got you into it? Just because, what, not a whole lot to do in Kodiak? Sports keep the kids a little act, or, you know, got... Yeah, I mean, Kodiak, most people do the sports to get off the island. Gotcha. So, and then parents, you know, working parents throw their kids in every sport, kind of use that as a... Uh, babysitter, babysitter type thing. Yeah. So, right. uh, my dad just kind of, he never wrestled in his life or anything. He just, it's just one of the sports that Kodiak offered and threw me into it. And, um, again, he kind of used, uh, at that time, I'm assuming he used it, again, as a babysitting thing. But um, as I got older in it, he, he actually invested more time into it, got more invested in it. So, a lot of people like start because they had like a family member or something like that prior to them like do it. When did you like really get into it then, where you like really were like, you know what, this is, I love this like a lot. Like, I really want to put like full fourth effort into it. Was that like an early age, middle school? Uh, at first, when I first started, we had some studs around my weight class who were older than me. In Kodiak, we just do these round robins like for our season. And Kodiak, and I was just get my butt kicked. And you're out, you're in, you're out to by these same kids. And I remember um, as a fourth grader, I was like, hey, I'm tired of losing. So my dad, he finally it was able because we have a travel team in Kodiak. So you pay a little bit more money, you're able to get off the island, come up here, do some tournaments for the okay. state. So he started to pay for those, and I started started was able to wrestle other kids besides the same kids that started to beat me up. And as I started winning more matches up here, I got more confident and got more into it. So I'd say about fourth grade is when I really started to take it serious. Gotcha. And it always helps having other kids to wrestle against anyways, different styles. And they always like, you know, people like that help you grow. Who has been your biggest influences in the sport of wrestling? Maybe at a young age, maybe as you got older, high school, after high school, one, two, three people in particular. Anyone come to mind? Yeah, I mean, so after fourth grade and then fifth grade, we had this uh, middle school coach. Uh, so as a fifth grader, I wasn't really allowed to obviously wrestle in middle school, but they allowed me to do the practices. And we had this 
Marine, that was our coach. His name was Josh Sargent, and he was a hard ass, just kind of like Wes Bocker. Yeah, Josh Sargent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he was he was mean, but he was tough. And I remember my dad kind of forced me into doing these practices. I was still gun shy about it. And I remember coming home one day and I'd be like, Dad, I don't want to wrestle anymore because it was so hard. Well, then you're also wrestling kids that are in like Bigger, me, yeah, eighth yeah, graders yeah. too, right? Because yeah. middle school and you're in fifth grade. And then my dad's like, all right, if you don't want to wrestle, then you can't play football next year. So I was like, okay, I'll keep wrestling. <laughs> but throughout that year, I got tougher and started beating up these older kids. And I got in a good relationship with that middle school coach. And um, he was kind of the first... Um, my big first influencer because he would be our travel coach and um, I was with him for three or four years Okay, and that's kind of where I started to get tougher and actually that's how I mean might be down the road but Tano winning two Tano championships is because of him Um, and then when you get into high school you wrestle for Pat Costello all four years Yeah, how was he as a coach in comparison to Josh Sargent (laughs) (laughs) he was way different obviously he's more laid back he definitely, I mean, he was a master of the sport. I remember going to his office, and I could skip a whole class talking about wrestling with him. And um, But he definitely had a big influence on my wrestling. Um, the way he trained us at the time when I was young like that, I didn't like the, how he ran practices and stuff like that because I thought they were too easy. Oh, especially after what you just came out of yeah. with the old boy there? Yeah. Gotcha. And at that time, I was doing Team Alaska, so I was wrestling, wrestling for Bocker and... Those camps wow. at that time were insane. God, yeah. so, and then wrestling for Pat, who's pretty easy going, but at the same time, I mean, he made us drill for two hours straight. We wouldn't do any live, not much conditioning, but drill the same move over and over and over again. But when I look back at it now, that's how I mean, that's how my technique got so good is because of him. Just the constant repetition Con- of constant just the same and, stuff over yeah, and over. I had to hate that though. I I hated going to practice, but. Uh, I mean, throughout my high school career too, Wes had a he played a huge part of it. Um, doing those camps with him um, made us just tougher. We were a different breed back then. There was about twenty of us that did those camps. Yeah, over and, and over. Um, you can kind of see the other success the other wrestlers had after high school and stuff like that is because of Wes. Yeah, I've heard some horror stories. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of high school, when it comes to state tournament, anyways, you finish fourth as a freshman, second as a sophomore, first, and then first as a junior and senior so obviously pretty good state resume i know but for the people that don't what what happened after high school um was was, i guess was the plan like i'm skipping a bunch of time frame here when you were in high school was was your goal was your plan idea to like i want to wrestle after high school was that always an idea not necessarily um right when i got so right when i got into high school we had these uh just like west has here in his gym the names of people who did who plays that state and stuff like that so we had that in Kodiak, and my first thing when I walked into that mat room was like, I just want my name on that board. Gotcha. So they place, you know, first through six. So if you get if you place, your name goes on the board. But if you want to state title, you get your picture on the board. Oh, okay. So as a freshman, I got fourth, and I'm like, oh, cool, my name's on the board. So my next goal was to get my picture on the board. So I wasn't even thinking about college yet. Right, okay. So And then I finally, in my junior year, I got my picture on the board. And then I started going down in the States and doing, having success down there. And then that's when I kind of realized I could use this to get into college. And I wanted to actually wrestle in college after that junior year. And okay. having some success in Fargo and, you know, placing at Reno and other tournaments, that's kind of when I realized that I could 
go further than high school in this sport. Yeah, that you could actually do this. Okay, so then high school's done, you graduate, then what happens? Like, how did you decide where you're going to go or... So my senior year is the first year they changed the schedule from, um, you know, wrestling through Christmas break after oh, Christmas Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we finished right, be- right before Christmas and uh, won my second title. And then right after State, the week later, was Reno. Right, okay. So... Uh, all of his Alaskans were in our prime, you know, right, and yeah. everyone else is, is their preseason. So we went down to Reno. I was unseated, made it to the finals, lost to Jordan Oliver in the finals. But after that, I got, I mean, before that, I was just thinking about Southern Oregon University, you know, a small NAIA school. That's kind of where I, my head was at. But after that, that tournament, I got talked to by four different D1 schools, Oregon State, Virginia, Wyoming, North Dakota State University. And Wyoming is the first one to actually offered to pay for my trip to go down there to check it out okay so they paid for me and my dad to go down there and i hardly checked out anything i think they took us to some like denny's the head coach and me and my dad and they laid laid down some paper there was some money on the board and my dad's like you should take this and without even thinking that's where i just signed the paper took the contract to go to wyoming my freshman year okay so then tell me what happened after that so yeah so after that signed that i was early in the January, and um, I kept training and all that, and went to Wyoming in the early in that summer, and um, I realized right at first I was, I was 18 years old. I didn't know if I was cut up for that Division One level, but as the year went on and I had some success at some open tournaments and whatnot, I has me and the head coach Mark Branch had some buddy heads because he kept trying to force my take my red shirt out. And because the start at 133 was having a hard time making weight, and I was the backup of 133, and we butted heads throughout the whole season. He was making me cut weight to 133 as a red shirt, and I was having a hard time as well. And I just remember at the end of that season, I knew I was going to leave. Um, I didn't know if I was going to go D1 somewhere else or just go to a smaller school. Mike Ritchie caught wind of that and got a hold of me. He's a Southern Oregon coach. And I remember at the end of our spring training at Wyoming, I asked Mark Branch to sign my release, and that's when I transferred to Southern Oregon. Okay, so then you go to Southern Oregon, and then how did that go for you? Yeah, at first, um, it wasn't too great. Um, I was still well, 19 years old, just super immature. I went, I just came from a, you know, Mark Branch is a pretty high-level coach, and that was that Division One program. Went to an NAI program. Southern Oregon was the top of the game at the time, and I just was cocky and thought I could walk in there and be the starter and be a stud right away and that wasn't true so that kind of hindered hindered me for half that season my freshman or redshirt freshman year there it took me a while to figure out that just because i wrestled division one for your year doesn't mean you're a super stud right yeah there's some kids at my weight class who were studs they were number one and two in the nation and i remember i had to jump up so this was at 149 it was or 141 was the weight class i was at when i transferred and um, I realized there was no one at 149 that was any good, so I jumped up at 149, and eventually I got the starting role there for the rest of that season. Uh, throughout that season, I started to mature up a little bit, realized that wrestling's wrestling no matter what division you're at. My training stepped up, my stuff off the mat got more focused, you know, I wasn't into the just focus on school and then focus on wrestling. My half of that rest of that season was good, I started winning tournaments. And ended up taking second in the conference, so gave me a berth to the national ch- championships. I made it to the blood round 
as a freshman, and I lost in quadruple overtime and lost to a kid that I beat three times that year. So that oh, was pretty, hard, yeah. pretty heartbreaking. I remember running to the bathroom and tore the door open, and my coach had to grab me and hug me and tell me to knock it off. But Yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you know what you're, like, capable of and then, you know, coming down to, like, the very end there. That's, like, the worst. And then, uh, okay, so then what happened after that, next couple of years? So, yeah, sophomore year, had a successful year again. I was, again, more mature. My training was good. I was a starter at 149, took second in the conference again. Uh, had 30-plus wins that year against, you know, D1, D2, all different levels. And again, went into the national tournament and lost, to the, lost in the butt around again to a kid I beat. In the semis at Reno, when I was in a senior in high school, Josh oh. Chain, he was a he was a stud back then. But yeah. lost to him in the blood round, and again, um, didn't make that podium. Rip off? Did you rip off another door? <laughs> no, I was a little bit better this time. I just ran <laughs> off and kept to myself. So, yeah. and then throughout that summer, instead of going fishing, and was, so I usually go fishing in the summertime, like commercial fish. So I'm on the boat for three months. Instead of doing that, I stayed in Southern longer train. Went home for a little bit, came back and trained more. So my junior year... Did make a big difference? Made a huge difference. So, again, I was getting more mature, and my training stepped up again. We were... Our, our whole team was on the verge of winning a national championship as a team, so we worked harder as a team. And then that year, again, successful season. Took uh, six at the Reno TOC, beat some D1 All-Americans that year in that tournament. And again, thirty plus season wins, and ended up taking second in the nation that year. Nice. So as a junior, and then we got one more year. Yeah, and then again, the, my senior year. Um, so previous to that, we had four guys in the national finals. Again, there's only. 10. Well, did you guys win the title or? How no, did we guys got do that? second. Oh, okay, so we got second. My junior year, we got second at national duels to Grandview University. Gotcha. And then my senior year, um, again, had a successful season. Took fourth at the. Reno TOC, we went to Midlands that year. That's one of the biggest D1 tournaments. I went, I went 3-2 and two in that tournament, beat some studs there. And, again, 30-plus season wins for that season. And made it to the national finals. Beat the kid 3-1 in the national finals. We had four national champs that year. And we lost by a half a point to the Grand oh, University. Brutal. Yeah. And we lost to them by a point in the national duels earlier. That oh, season. man. Well, now that that's all said and done, uh, I mean, pretty successful wrestling career. I mean, as far as competing wise, yeah, I mean, yeah. state titles, national title, you know, all American status, a bunch, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying, pretty, pretty damn impressive for someone who didn't start taking it serious until fourth grade, yeah. compared to you know a lot of these people that have been taking it serious like their whole life. What's uh, what's the biggest difference between wrestling in college and high school? High school, I think you're more guided by your parents than your coaches. Um, you know, they're the one, their parents are the ones that drop you off to practice. Your coaches are the ones that deal with you. I think more, a lot of your coaches are PE teachers or teachers in the school. Right. So you're with them almost all day. In college, um, you I mean, a lot of it's on your own. Even though you're, you're older and more mature, but it's pretty easy to get lost track in college when you're by yourself without yeah. your parents and your high school coaches and stuff like that. So the hardest thing I... That I had to figure out was be able to push yourself, be able to you know keep your classes together, your social life together, 
and then wrestling together all at the same time. Yeah. Well, and the other thing like you were saying is that you're like accountable for everything that you do, yeah. like showing up on time, being there at your school. I mean, and you are in high school too, but you have like more of these like authority figures that you're not necessarily like an adult yet. So they're still like under their, I don't know, supervision, yeah. care, whatever. And they're kind of like pushing you hopefully pushing in the right direction or trying to and then hoping you do the rest but yeah it's kind of not there when you're but uh not here and home or whatever yeah. like you don't have any friends or family down there or did you have no. any, right so it's just there all brand new and just being like gotta just handle it all yourself yes yeah, i see a lot in alaska wrestlers that go down or just anyone that leaves alaska because you know, down in the states, most of those kids could just get in the car and drive five five hours in their home. Right. Us were stuck. I just my freshman year in Wyoming, I was super homesick, and honestly, that was like part of the hardest thing to get through is that that homesickness. Yeah. You know, you think you're a tough wrestler, but we don't care about being home. But being away from Alaska, I see it with a lot of kids. It's just tough to get through that first year. Yeah. Well, I think that's just like that in like college anyways. I don't know if yeah. it's just this state like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, it's it not only takes time, but it it's not cheap to come back and forth no. all the time. And especially like, you know, I imagine being in like a closer tight knit uh being from Kodiak or whatever and then having to like leave and go somewhere completely new where you don't know anybody and yeah, I mean, it's just not like the easiest thing to just be like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to go home for the weekend yeah. or whatever, <laughs> like a holiday like yeah. here or there." I mean, you would have to really have your so yeah, that seems to happen all the time, which is unfortunate. Um, when it comes to competing, anyways, what, what what was the difference between you and the people you wrestled? Like, uh, why do why do you think you had the advantage, or or what gave you the edge when it came to like you know those close matches or whatever? Is it like training, technique, style, just your will? I mean, um, you know, at the college level, I mean, everyone knows how to do a single leg, double leg, all that. So technique, you know, it could be pretty even. I think what kind of brought me apart from winning those big matches i mean even the d1 guys at reno and midlands and whatnot it was being from alaska being from kodiak i mean i was a commercial fisherman from a young age and um a lot of people don't hear me say this but fishing commercial fishing is harder than anything else i've ever done oh, wow. harder than cutting you know 20 pounds or wrestling the toughest kid in the nation so being on a boat you know in the summertime when it's super cold still no sleep and you gotta bust your ass you know 24 hours a day doing that kind of training that's not you know that's different training but doing that every year that kind of like brought like winning those overtime matches and stuff like that like i didn't even flinch in those matches my my conditioning was good my mental state was good that's how i was able to overcome those tough matches in my opinion nothing compared to what i've seen or gone through or whatever so you mentioned cutting weight did did you have to cut a lot of weight in high school or, or what about college so in high school, during like regular season, I didn't cut too much, just your usual maybe eight to five pounds. Some water weight. Water weight, nothing too big. But when I went to Team Alaska camp with Bocker, yeah, I had to cut a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a choice there? No choice there. As now, I remember wrestling like 103 my freshman year, and then I came to camp, and that summer I had to go down to 98 pounds and then 91 pounds. So yeah, it was a little bit of weight cutting during the summertime, but um, at that it wasn't too bad when I think about it now. Just when I was like a little kid then, it was super tough. But. Yeah. And then what about college? Yeah, college. Um, as a redshirt freshman, again, I was cutting down to 133. I came into that season my freshman year like 155 pounds or 160 pounds. So I was cutting quite a bit as a redshirt freshman. Like I was talking before, they were trying to keep me down the weight for I could eventually probably 
be the starter, and right. that's a different story. But um, when I went to Southern, those first couple of years at 49 were pretty, you know, basic water weight. And then my junior senior year, I started putting on a lot more muscle, and I was coming in on Mondays about 170. So I was cutting pretty hard. I was always wearing my weight cutting gear every day in practice. I was doing probably three a days. Uh, with lifting, regular practice, and then my own workouts just to keep my weight down. So do you think that there's, like, any advantage to, like, people that try to cut a lot of weight in high school? In high school, um, not so much. I mean, as long as you're at a healthy weight, you know, you, if you're at a healthy weight, you're just kind of cutting that water weight. I think it's more beneficial for the high school kid right? compared to them cutting a bunch of weight and probably not going to be so successful again they're a lot more immature when they're going through like puberty, puberty. and they're growing and you need those nutrients and yeah. vitamins and water and all that and having yeah. to cut all that out probably at like peak times of trying to grow into an actual adult yeah probably not the probably wisest. the reason i'm only five four because cutting all that weight <laughs> <laughs> but no for a high school kid their focus should be on just getting better and learning the technique and enjoying the sport yeah so and it, let's talk about coaching a little bit you have coached at damn near every level, little kids, middle school, high school, college. What is your favorite and least favorite age groups to coach <laughs> and why? So that's a kind of a difficult question, but I mean, in the mat room itself, I like coaching college because I'm able to push the kids where I want to push them. Most of the kids I wrestling in college obviously want to be there. So in that aspect, that's the easiest and most fun to coach. But if you look on the the office hours and the recruiting and the finances and stuff like that. Being a college coach is a lot more just than just the mat room itself. So yeah. that one's a 50, 50, um, high, I enjoy high school because you, the kids are somewhat mature. They somewhat want to be there and you don't have to worry about that recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So I do enjoy the, the high school level. The, the youth level is, is probably my hardest to get used to. I, I don't mind doing it, but it's, I think that's probably my hardest because you're kind of babysitting and then you're trying to show technique at the same time. So I would say youth, like the you know little little kids, is probably the hardest for me. Luckily, I have Bockert helping me out with that. And I don't mind it, but that's probably the hardest. Yeah, big difference. Anyways. Big difference. Yeah. I remember my buddy Joe Hughes. He used to uh, coach the freestyle for the little kids, and he used to always just be like we they'd teach a move and like work on it for a little bit and then they'd play a game yeah. and then they'd teach a move and work on it for a little bit and then they'd play a game yeah. and they did that like over and over because those kids attention spans like okay cool i tried this for like three times and now now what yeah. now what now what so i can definitely see that um uh, speaking about coaching how would you describe your coaching style um that's changed throughout the year so i've only been i've been coaching about eight years now at, again all different levels well here, hang on before you keep going let me ask that kind of in two parts how would you describe your coaching style and then like where did it come from is it like aspects of kind of coaches that you have had over the years or just like your own personality and like coach mode type thing so your your coaching style and then like kind of why or how yeah. are you like that, I guess? So, actually, my, my college coach, he wasn't like a super hard-ass kind of coach. you know. Not he, no Josh Sargent. No, no <laughs> Josh Sargent. But actually, so my type of coaching came from, you know, a little bit of everything. Again, Wes Bocker, Josh Sargent. So when I first started coaching, I was uh, a hard-ass. Um, I was always trying to break the kids. So I started coaching at the college level. So And um, I was always trying to push the kids harder and harder and harder. And it took me about my first year to realize that that's not always the way to go. 
And so as the years progress and then what I learned from different coaches, I took little pieces from different people if I could balance my coaching style. And that's kind of where I'm at nowadays. So I'm not so much of a hard ass, but I am at the same time. And what I realized is you got to be balanced if you want to kind of attract all different kinds of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying, because some kids take to that like hard ass mentality of being like, you know, that tough love. And then some kids literally will take that in like a super negative way and maybe want to quit or even quit, quit. fold up and you right. know, lose athletes like but that. if you baby the kids that are going to be hard asses then they don't respect you as a yeah. coach and then if you baby the ones that need to be babied then that's so yeah i mean you just kind of i guess have to know what uh who you're dealing with or whatever at the same time are there any changes in wrestling in the state that you can think of that you would like to see happen or, or anything over time rules the season change the amount of time in a season or where our season is in comparison to where you was like when you were in school or uh, weight classes or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, like right now, for instance, they're trying to, I know the board's proposed to um, change the big schools, you know, have our, during the regular state tournament, whereas now we, we would have our state dual tournament and then the big schools wrestle another four or five weeks after that. Yeah. And back in the day, that would have been perfect because we had 21 4A schools or D1 schools now. But now we only have 16. So that would just get super repetitive. And I think kids will lose interest and coaches will lose interest. If I could change anything, I would like to have it how it was back in like 2008 through 2010. Um, through Christmas break or whatever? Yeah, through Christmas break. But having those schools that went down to D2 like Homer and Kenai and whoever else is there, there, Skyview was a school back then, but those schools went back up to D1 um, that get more more schools involved at the D1 level, then I think it would be better. But we would obviously never get those small schools to go to change their schedule. But overall, I think the way we have it now, we will eventually lose those bigger schools that should have bigger teams like the anchor schools do the football and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it's a double-edged sword. No matter where you go with it, it's always going yeah. somewhere it's going to I was going to say, I don't think there's ever like a particular right answer yeah. for like what could be done because in someone, some way, school or whatever is going to suffer. Because I thought about that too and was thinking like, oh, you know, the new proposed idea is like a good one. But then you think about this, which I just thought of the other day, what impact does that have on like the girls? Yeah. Because like with Lathrop, the girls, uh, you know, they practice at the same time with the boys. So would that dual tournament be the end of their season because of the small school girls that are at their state or would that be the beginning you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so you'd have to figure out a way where it's like and then so also if that was the end of the season for girls as well on the same weekend of the big school or the small schools state tournament then they would need to start when everybody else does so then do you have the same coaches that are now coaching for like six months or whatever like, I don't know if I'm saying, like, I wonder what kind of impact that would have on that kind of thing. So I don't think there's ever, like, a particular, like, right answer. Yeah. So. And then with our freestyle season nowadays, if the kids want to wrestle longer, they obviously have the opportunity to. Yeah. So it, all things said, I think keeping the season where it is now and then keeping the kids up, if they want to wrestle, want to keep wrestling, then they can. Yeah. So I think what we're doing now is probably the best thing we can do overall just because we don't have enough teams in the state yeah 
And then, you know, the other thing that I just want to comment on, my personal opinion, it's cool that they have all the state championship matches and whatnot all under one roof, but one thing that is missing is that spotlight, and that really sucks. Just because that's, like, one thing that when you're, like, a young kid and you, like, look at that and you're like, man, kind of like you with, like, the name or the picture on the wall or whatever. I know that when I used to go to school, and I never obviously did that well, but when my little brother used to see the state finals, he'd be like, man, I want to. Yeah, be one of those guys out there under the spotlight where everybody's looking. It doesn't necessarily take anything away, but when you have three state finals matches going on at the exact same time, I mean, still special. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but same, but it's just it's that extra. Yeah. You know? Back then when we had the tournament Chugiak, that was the coolest thing under the spotlight. So. Yeah, totally. I'm going to ask you what draws you to wrestling so much. Uh, some people, when they're done competing, they walk away forever, and, and that's just it, and that's fine. Uh, and some people, like yourself, come back to coach or ref or both or just give back to the sport. What keeps you coming back and like wanting to give back to the sport? Is it just what you got out of it and you want to give that back to other people? or like I don't know. Yeah, so right when I was in college, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I remember doing camps you know, as a – college kid we had summer camps or spring camps and i right away i loved doing it i saw myself uh, being pretty successful at it being able to run sessions and practices a lot of great wrestlers can't be good coaches you see that a lot and um so right away i knew i wanted to coach um but what really got me into it so when i graduated i was all done wrestling in college i knew i wasn't gonna just hang the shoes up so i, I kept competing at the next level while i was coaching college so i you know spent time in the olympic training center uh wrestled at the senior level at different tournaments so i had as it's at the same time when i was coaching i was still wrestling and that experience helped my coaching because i was still going through that weight cut that training and all that stuff that my athletes were going through and yeah just giving back to the sport and i knew this want i wanted this to be my career to be a coach i knew i'd never be rich doing it but um, I remember Pat Costello said, the day you go to work and regretting going to work is when you need to retire or find something else new. And getting up every day, being a coach, I never feel like I'm going to work. So right. that's why I got into it. When it comes to uh, you know being those people that go like, well, back in my day, back in your day, <laughs> what what do you think are the sum of or, or the biggest differences between – now and then back in your day in high school as far as, I don't know, practice or competition or all of that together, I guess. Yeah, I mean, back then, I guess the way um, you're able to coach has changed a lot. Again, I go back to Team Alaska, how it was ran back then. I mean, we did stuff that you wouldn't be able, not saying illegal stuff or anything, but stuff that would you wouldn't not see nowadays because kids would not show up again. Right. Um <laughs> It's so it just, some of those horror stories I kind of mentioned that I heard about. Yeah, so yeah. just a lot tougher. I think. Um, I think back then, also we didn't have the. I mean, I'm not that old, but we didn't have like you know the cell phones we have now. We didn't have all that information. There wasn't wasn't able just to text people all the time. So back then, we were able coaches were able to push each, push the, the athletes a lot more, and like you probably saw a lot more weight cutting back then than you do nowadays. Which I'm I'm glad that's changed, but. Right. Uh, I think it was just a little bit more tougher back then. Yeah. Do you think that – so back in your day, do you think that people – at the, like coaches are there said back in their day it was tougher? Do you, or? 
Yeah, it's a. Is that like a common thing? That's just like, yeah. Oh, you think you have like I I I'm, I mean I'm I'm there with you. I'm a couple years older, and I didn't do all those camps or whatever. But I look now at just being a coach at Lathrop, and the fact that I wrestled at Lathrop and coached my little brother at Lathrop, I can see the difference between now to when I coached my little brother to when I wrestled to when my older brother wrestled, all under the same program, but like you know. Five, ten, whatever, however many years apart from each one, it just seems to be like a thing where it's like, well, it was harder back in the day, but then it was actually harder in the back in the day of that day, and then actually, you know what? It was harder than that, even further back. Like, yeah. is that just like? Well, I think that's true because of the way that information was back then. It was so hard to you know gain knowledge of how to coach and how to cut weight. So back then, people were doing a lot more crazy things because they had the lack of knowledge. Yeah, sure. So nowadays, there's the knowledge at the tip of your fingers with your cell phones, and you can learn how to run and practice easily from YouTube if you wanted to. Yeah, you can look up drills yeah. and uh, conditioning exercises and like yeah. what you need to do like right then and there instead of... And I think we're... I mean, to a point, I think people are a lot more educated in the right way so they know how to not kill your athletes you know yeah. overtraining and stuff like that well then that. the other thing too at least with cutting weight you know it was done a lot probably harsher or in the wrong way so to speak back in the day compared to as you said with information a lot more people have information to proper nutrition yeah. and diet and exercise like all coupled together and like how it will really affect and like you know it's not a bad idea to be hydrated or whatever it's actually going to make it better rather than just being like oh you know what i'm not going to drink any water and be like ah, that's really bad yeah <laughs> now we're going to take a, a step and go in a different direction here let's talk about your hip oh yeah is that cool yep Tell me what happened and how did it happen? Because I don't even know like the full story behind all this. So yeah, so for those those that don't know, I just got a hip replacement about a month and a half ago. So throughout my high school and college career, I was healthy, never had any major injuries, nothing like that. But when I started competing at the next level, at the senior level, and going to the Olympic Training Center and, and going to different various different camps. And um, I started to get a little bit more banged up. And the reason for that is because I was still training like I was 20 years old and I was 25 at the time. So my body was catching up to me. So I was training super hard like I was 18 to 20 years old. And all that beating and stuff that I had got in the past in college and high school was catching up. And then what I forget to mention is commercial fishing too. So yeah, that's a good point. I fell into multiple fish holes. If you don't know what those are, they're pretty deep, and when you fall into those, they don't feel too well. So I remember falling into a bunch of fish holes while I was fishing, and then on top of this, the training, the over over training that I did to myself, it caught up to me pretty quick, and um, so I got arthritis in my hip really quick at a young age. And not everyone that goes through college wrestling and senior level wrestling goes through what I had to go. I, basically, my doctor said it was bad luck on top of whatever I did to it. So my hip collapsed totally and I had to get a hip replacement. And then same with my knee. I have a bad knee. That's just from wear and tear, arthritis. And different legs. Same leg. Same leg. Same leg. And then, that damn left yeah, leg. Damn left leg. But So that's the next step. I have to get a knee replacement eventually. So What happened with the knee? Same thing. Just the arthritis caught up to me. That, I mean, that kind of runs in my family too. Gotcha. But again, doctor said, you know, wear and tear and bad luck. But you're on the med now. How's the hip replacement going so far? Pretty good. Um, it feels a lot better. Just yesterday I was drilling and rolling around with the kids. Um, kinda, that was my first time since 
uh, about a year ago. Oh, wow. Actually, I was rolling around with Jeremy, wrestling Greco with some of the kids, so it feels a lot better. Be better. Yeah. Cool. Right on. So now we're going to kind of wind down a little bit, and I'm going to ask you some of these other questions that aren't as, I don't know, serious or in-depth, or maybe I guess a couple more. Number one being, what do you think it takes to be successful in wrestling? Uh, just like many coaches say, it's just showing up. You, know, you got to show up to class, you got to show up to practice, you got to show up to your actual workouts. I think you want to be successful at any level, just showing up and accepting the help from your coaches and teachers. Gotcha. What is the hardest part of wrestling? Again, showing up. Because <laughs> really, I remember like, when I was in high school, I hated going to practice because I knew what exactly it, it had entailed. But just, you know, fighting those urges not to go, it's just showing up and actually putting in effort. I mean, people can't show up, but if they don't put any effort, they're not going to get any better. Right. Did you have a particular pre-match routine? Something you did as far as like uh, warming up or when you decided it was time to get up and start getting loose or... Yeah, I mean, for me, I try to uh, wait to the perfect time to warm up and stuff because you don't get that, all that anxiety built up and you, all your energy is gone. But I always had like a simple routine of warming up, you know, but same kind of drills at same amount of time. Most of this happened more in college than high school. High school, we kind of just warmed up as a team. College was kind of more on your own. But I just kind of knew the exact drills and the same amount of sprints and amount of live I wanted to do before the match. Do you know off the top of your head or remember? It was like, what, like 30 minutes 30 in advance? Minutes, yeah, exactly 30 minutes. Um, I remember always doing five down and backs, doing uh, one-minute round matches, so a three-minute match. And um, I always did this little prayer in my head before I went on the mat, and then I just went. So it was nothing too special, but it was always consistent. Yeah. yeah. What was your, in particular, maybe more than one, did you have a certain post-weigh-in, like food or, or drink go-to? Yeah, I, mean, the, I remember Mark Branch, my Wyoming coach, said, really, after weighing, it's not like kind of what you put into is what makes you feel good. So I always had a Mountain Dew, and then obviously I had my pita light, a little snack, and then I was ready to go. But right I always had Mountain Dew. Interesting. Is there anything ever that you like kind of held out from during season? Like, God, well, I don't know. Some people don't drink soda. No. You're, drinking, you're crushing Mountain Dews <laughs> or, or ice creams or something. Is there anything that you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to – Wait till after season for any particular reason. Pizzas or I don't know. Yeah, actually, so the only time I would have a like I would buy a small Mountain Dew. I will only have that after weighs. But I stayed away from sodas. I tried to stay away from as much carbs as possible, just for my weight would get down lower. Gotcha. Easier, easier. Yeah. Let's go with. I had a question for: Did you play any other sports growing up? I mean, but you kind of already said basketball and football. So I guess tell me a little bit about what, like, just growing up on Kodiak was like. I've never been there. I mean, yeah, so just... again, so everyone does everything because we don't have the numbers, you know, for every sport. If the you know people don't make, compete, or yeah, what? if people don't compete, we won't have a football team and whatnot. But yeah, I played football. I was a quarterback for uh, Kodiak. I played basketball as a point guard. I did track, and then obviously wrestling. So I was a forward varsity sport guy. And yeah. That's pretty rare. We call it the Iron Man. But I had success after the other sports. Um, we took second like three years in a row. I was quarterback. Um, I placed in track in the 4x800, four 4x4. Four four. So, and then um, I also did some cross country and whatnot. But Some people like eat, sleep, and drink wrestling like yeah. year-round. Do you think it was important for you or important for other people to like go out and get 
like I don't know, just do something else, have some, play some other sports, even if it's not like you know as successful as you were doing other things, even if it's just go out and just I don't know, join a rec soccer team or something. Yeah, I think it's pretty important to kind of get away from the sport a little bit. I mean, you always kind of wrestling, you always have to be in shape, you always have to you know be all that, but. I think looking back now, if I was just focused on wrestling, I probably would have burnt out pretty easy. Yeah. So sure. having other focus like football and basketball and stuff like that. And I was still training. I was still doing <clears throat> camps. I was still doing wrestling on top of that. But my focus wasn't just wrestling. Right. Okay. Just Yeah, just curious because I, I totally agree. And then uh, final two questions for you. Well, this one I guess I can ask in two parts. When it comes to high school, who was the hardest person that you had to wrestle in the state of Alaska? Or multiple people. Yeah, I have a couple. Kind of, it was earlier in my career, but uh, uh, Alan Bartelli uh, and Michaela Hutcherson and Holland Gravely. So those guys we were always in the same weight class growing up. So there was only four of us, and I would always take fourth because I kept losing to all three. <laughs> of them. So we were the same weight class. Every time I come up to Anchorage and wrestle, it was all four of us. I always get fourth place. And then when I went into high school, Michaela and uh, Bartelli beat me my freshman year, and then my junior or my sophomore year, me and Bartelli were going back and forth, and he beat me in the state finals. Is there any reason in particular why you think that they are the hardest? Just stylistic matchup or stylistic? And again, we wrestled since we're like, right, and we always went to camp together. Gotcha. So I wrestled these guys over and over and over yeah. again. Show the tournament, like damn, you guys are here again, huh? Yeah, cool. So just they were just super tough, and obviously in their collegiate career, they're super right. Tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just named three studs there, and then uh, part two of that question, I guess. So since you had so much success and wrestled so much after high school, do you have a particular one, two, three, four people that were the hardest that you could think of outside, you know, in college that you wrestled? I mean, you, I know you said you wrestled like tons of tons of studs, but any anyone in particular that stands out? My mat room. I remember my training partner was this kid named Kai Recruity, and he was a weight class below me at 141. But me and him butt heads. We grinded out together. But he was a national runner up and a multiple All American. But he was probably the toughest kid I had to wrestle because he was just nonstop go. It didn't have. It had no off switch. No off switch. Every time he wrestled, it was. It was balls to the wall. So, damn. Final question: Do you have a favorite match or moment? Was it the national title? Yeah. Or a few or a few favorite matches or moments in particular? I mean, winning my first state title was was pretty cool. But I think. Do you remember who you won over? Uh, Mike Chafin. Okay. He was an unseated kid. Ended up in the finals. Tough kid. But my national finals, because I, I my last couple of years I was cutting so much weight, and I remember my coach saying like I never smiled. I was not always in a bad mood. I was just monotone all the time. Gotcha. I never smiled after big wins, you know, prior to that match. And when I finally won that match, my national championship, I actually had a half smile, and I was like kind of the first time I smiled in a long time. So, gotcha. Well, speaking on that, real quick again, when it came to that national tournament, there were you? Did you have like actual like realistic expectations of trying to win this damn thing, or was it more of like a? Um, I mean, not that you like you know some people like always have like confidence, but then there's like a confidence of being like, no, I can actually do this compared to being like putting on that front. If that makes any sense, yeah. like being confident in yourself compared to actually like knowing that you can go do this. I knew re- that my freshman redshirt freshman year when I lost in that blood round, I could I could be on the top of the podium cuz I knew I, at that time I was pretty young and I was, you know, and I had pretty good success as a freshman. I knew I could win this tournament. Yeah, how I mean, were you seeded or were the seeds The seat the seeding criteria was different. different. It was different, but I was I beat multiple guys that were on the podium already. Gotcha. Prior, okay. so I yeah. knew I could 
And also, I mean, seating isn't as big of a deal, you know, at the college level because it seems to not work out the way that it should. Yeah. You have seated wrestlers getting far, whatever, all the time and whatnot. So, well, that being said, that's all I have. I appreciate the time and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. All right. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the Alaskan Grappler podcast. I'd like to thank Jimmy Egemeyer again for sitting down and taking the time to talk with me. I wish him continued success and a continued road to recovery with his hip and his knee in the future. I'd like to thank you for listening. I have some more exciting podcasts coming very soon, so stay tuned.